pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401 885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, Good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com, Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359, and in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.95. Folks, you can always listen online on the website, petro.com well it is monday happy valentine's one and all uh, it was quite a super bowl over the weekend the halftime show certainly get a, a lot of people talking but it was a good game went right down to the end that's all you can ask for so so we have uh, more snow than i think we would have thought certainly more much more snow than uh, that i would have thought and it, folks it's i mean saturday was just such a beautiful day got up to 60 degrees and then all of a sudden we have uh, some snow but all in all it is late february or mid-february so it shouldn't stay that long i hope um if you get a chance please visit the website to petro.com it's a terrible story that happened over the weekend and folks you know in the past there's been all this talk about you know young people and young people as far as drunk driving something interesting is happening right now and that is that it's there's people that are drinking and driving but it's adults and the people that are being injured or even killed are young people. It's not the element of the, the young people. Young people right now seem to be getting the element of, you know, don't drink and drive. But a problem that we're looking at right now, first of all, you had the, you know, beautiful young teenager that was killed New Year's Eve, 17 years old, was an older person, not that old, but a 30-year-old man that was behind the wheel, ran her off the road. And then you had a situation on Saturday night at 9.30, that is not late, two 17-year-old uh, high, high hockey players were just going along on this Saturday night, and uh, it was an absolutely hor- horrendous head-on crash. If you haven't seen it, I have the story up on thepetro.com, and the state police you know, got onto the scene. The driver was arrested. Uh, he was also let go that night. One of the students is um, fighting for his life. But I come back to, if, if you wonder where we are as far as drunk driving, and folks, my opinion, Governor McKee, they don't even address it. Right now, if Governor McKee wanted, he, Speaker Joe Sakachi, the Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, they could sit in a room and say overnight that we're going to make Rhode Island one of the strictest states on, on drunk driving. You know, Connecticut is in the top 10. Connecticut is the seventh. Arizona is number one. But Connecticut's in the top 10. Rhode Island, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. If we just mimicked what Connecticut does, we would be, you know, the penalties have got to be more severe. They're not. Uh, Rhode Island is like one of the lackadaisical states. I think we're 35th in the nation. And, um, And there are states that have much tougher drunk driving laws than Rhode Island does. But I would argue it's an epidemic on the roads. It's going to get worse now. You also, by the way, you have other people driving under the influence. There are a lot of accidents of people that, you know, they're high on this pot and then the cannabis, and then never mind, they're going to have allowed these safe injection centers. But on, on Friday, Governor McKee had one of those, all right, fans don't let fans drive drunk and blah, blah, blah. It just seems like they go through the motions. Again, I repeat, th- this is a one-party state rule. The governor's a Democrat, the speaker's a Democrat, Senate president... These are three men. If they wanted to, tomorrow, they could change and put into action and toughen the laws in Rhode Island on driving in peer, driving under the influence. And they won't. They don't do it. And so I know some of their supporters say, well, that doesn't mean... Listen, silence is compliance. They have the power to do it. 
uh, our next door state, all you have to do is mimic what Connecticut is doing. And it would overnight change and toughen the laws on drunk driving in Rhode Island. And, and they won't do it. And they're not doing it for whatever reason. Maybe because it's an election year. Uh, and I, I do recognize, you know, that we a big part of Rhode Island is tourism and hospitality. Listen, now between these ride shares or the different tools that people have or people calling an Uber or Lyft, listen, I'm not saying, you know, you sit in a parking lot of a restaurant, the police car, and then you start testing anyone coming out. But I'm saying we have to stop. That accident on Saturday night was avoidable. Uh, the crash that killed Olivia Passaretti on New Year's Eve was avoidable. These are avoidable deaths that are happening. Deaths and their children. It's children that are under attack by adults that are drunk driving on the roads. And what is frightening is you don't see anyone moving on it. You know, nothing. Governor McKee almost acts like he's immune from it. He's the person that could be doing it. By the way, I'm not taking the Attorney General out of it, but Put all of them in. The attorney general could sit down with the governor, the speaker, the Senate president, and say, tomorrow we're going to introduce legislation, and of course it would pass. But I don't see any action taking place. All right, we have a lot ahead, folks. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401 521 0200 401 521 0200 Henry Oil serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass automatic delivery budget plans service contracts lock and cap pricing you can depend on Henry Oil call them today 401 521 0200 reliable affordable fuel oil delivery fuel oil diesel gasoline delivery residential and commercial it's Henry Oil Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. Sure, listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor for AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. Justin, I want to start off with uh, Governor McKee. What I believe just doesn't make sense, but this confusing business of what they're saying is going to be, it's really not the end of, of mass at school. It's just not the mandatory mask in school. He's moving into a mask optional where the different school districts can decide what their policy is going to be. Providence has already said they're staying in mask uh, for children past March 4th. It's a week after Massachusetts. And there's a lot here to unpack, but I'd like to just start off hearing your initial thoughts about Governor McKee and his decision on when they're going to la- lift the uh, in-school mask mandate. Well, the the choosing of the dates seems uh, shows that they're not really communicating very well, and I think a lot of people are disappointed that you know if if you can be unmasked in a store in a bar, then you can be unmasked in school. I think that's completely right, and it, it shows some. There's a little bit of political maneuvering here. I think I think the best spin you could put on it is he wants to give the school district some time to think about it and message and get the word out for what their policy is. But you know that could have been started ago i so i think you know he, he should just pull back as it is but generally i think the school districts is where the decision belongs i mean at this point it's it's been clear with between this and the meetings he's really just giving uh meaning open meetings where they can do things on zoom and such he's really just giving cover to the local districts and the local municipal governments to to not have to make decisions and face accountability. And I think that's to the good. I think if the, if the district wants to mask, then they ought to uh, face the approval of their own residents. But I will say one thing, if the districts do decide to mask, they really should start enforcing them. I mean, if they're doing, not doing it because the state governor mandated it, then they obviously think it's necessary. And so no more of these kids walking around with a, a mask around their chins, right? If you think it's worthwhile, enforce it but uh, it, at the very least it pushes the charade back 
local level where people can can start to push back and, and make a real difference changing the policy. Now, Justin, in the fall, he did a, a mask mandate across the board with his power, uh, emergency powers as governor. You know, that's it overrides each school district. Why do you think is it politics that he's, in your opinion, on why now uh, he's going to now decide, oh, well, you know, it's up to the the different districts because he could do across the board, you know, mass mandate. I think the question is, why is it in the fall? Did he did he take the power away from local districts? And now why is it here we are in February and he's willing to restore the the uh, the, the power to the different school committees? You know, that's a, it's an interesting question because you going into this, all his primary opponents for the race for governor jumped in to, to call it irresponsible and so on and so forth. And all the progressives are all over him, all over the social media. So I'm not sure the political, it's the politically easiest thing to do in the moment. Would, would, one interesting, intriguing possibility is that we're starting to see real pushback on a lot of this stuff. Most notably, something that isn't reported nearly enough: uh, the the trucker protests in Canada. Um, yeah. I mean, if you if you if you follow the news, there there are pictures of Canadians on horseback <laughs> shutting yeah. down highways. I mean, do do people? that's going on i i don't know but but i'm sure the people policymakers from the president down to governors uh they're watching this and that could easily spread here so i'm wondering if that's part of the reason they're starting to back off despite the giving an opening to their their to attack from the left is they don't want that uh becoming the norm here uh where where truckers and parents and and really ramp up so i'm wonder i wonder if the difference from fall to now is more the opposition to these policies is starting to become more visible and, and more of a, a threat than than the people who, who the scared people who demand policies. Folks, again, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorising.com. Justin, also, I'm just curious your thoughts on, you know, I, I never fully understand. I mean, we, we share a border with Massachusetts. Massachusetts, they're ending their in-school mask mandate on February 28th. Governor Baker is is ending that. Uh, go to McKee going a week at, you know, week farther till uh, till March 4th. But on top of that, uh, the teachers unions, you know, Bob Walsh, they've been very adamant online that they they feel the mass should stay in the school. You know, Randy Weingarten has preached this. What what, what union influence do you think that is there? And, and why does Governor McKee go a week past what Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker is doing? I, I, I'm not sure. The the uh, the unions are extremely powerful in Rhode Island, uh, but I don't know that a week really buys him much. You know, it's there's there's probably behind the scenes just trying to figure out how to thread needles, and it could be it could be as I said to give local districts another week to to figure out their policies, that sort of thing. But the fact that we have to speculate, I think, is is the real concern. It's, you know. It, it, I, I don't mind if, if our governor decide makes a different decision than the Massachusetts governor. You know, it's a bigger state, but they're not always right. Uh, but the the idea that we don't know why, you know, that there's not a clear here is why I picked this date. Uh, it, there's just that goes to me goes to the whole feeling that a lot of this is just arbitrary, and that and when it feels arbitrary, that probably means, as you say, there's some special interest in the background. But I don't I don't see that 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 gains McKee anything to wait a week, you know, politically, as far as the goodwill from the teachers unions might be concerned. So I don't know. I have to say, I, I haven't figured out why he might've done that, but I, I wish he were, he were being clearer about it. Now I want to stay with Walsh for a moment. A lot of people would not know who he is. You and I clearly do. Uh, he also announced that I guess in August, he's finally going to leave any Rhode Island teachers union. Um, you know, there's different figures around the state that a lot of people in the, the political establishment uh, kind of, you know, bend the knee to or kiss the ring, whatever you want to call it. But Walsh, Justin, I'm not sure the average person realizes the power he has after pension reform, by the way. He did take out some some reps that uh, had voted in favor of pension reform. I mean, he, you know, he, he failed with Clay Pell, but prior to that, just the. You know, the, the, uh, as far as some district races, he had a primary when after Doug Jablowski in Bristol. Uh, he, he got a rep and, and uh, took out, because of pension reform, David Caprio and Derek Hansett. 
Um, Walsh, you know, has this presence, but if you're an elected official and, you know, he's on the line or someone says, gee, Bob Walsh is upset with you, it's hard to explain to people just the amount of fear that he creates, um, you know, bullies, members of the media, they give ridiculous deference to him. Um, it, it, it's hard to separate the fact that if he's against something, you know, you, you kind of see an echo that I think that's one of the key factors when Governor McKee said they were talking to key people and, and, uh, and was hesitant to just take away the mask mandate. To me, that is that influence of someone like Walsh on the sideline. Yeah, very, very plausible. I mean, the, the, the teachers union, first of all, they, they get their members voting largely in lockstep. And yes. I've, I've personally seen, even at the local level, there, a postcard goes out from not just the teachers unions, but also the ones at AFL-CIO, and they're all in lockstep anyway. Uh, if a postcard goes out, there are lots of people, a good portion of the electorate will vote however the card says just because that's that's how they've been trained to do it and they've accomplished this over time by i don't know that the kind of there's a a brainwashing of the public unions where they they foster this sense of of danger and victimization like they'll be taken care taken advantage of if the the unions aren't there protecting them but also they collect tons of money for their packs nea pack every i think it's ten dollars every teacher in the state pretty much gives them 10 bucks and they can opt out of that but they don't they don't really even know it and it's presented as part of their dues it's not presented as a you know oh hey do you want to give a dollar to the union pack no it's just part of your dues you can opt out if you're you know that but a lot of teachers i think fear doing so um so they've got a lot of money they're very involved and it's not just politics. The, the teachers unions in the NEA, particularly among all the unions, if there's a progressive cause in the past 10, 20 years, they are helping to fund it. And they're right there on the funding, the funding list, which has always surprised me. I don't know why teachers tolerate that. You know, you're, you're giving our money for causes that have nothing to do with education. And that might, a lot of us presumably won't agree with uh, left-wing causes. So yeah, he's a, he's a big, a big, progressive player in the state and he's been around for a long time fostering that and of course he's he's kind of able to keep they, they play a nice game there where he gets to be the the somewhat friendly geeky face on the talk shows uh in debate while he sends out his minions to be the ones uh bullying and shouting at meetings and throwing things uh giving fingers to super and all that sort of stuff. So he's, he's managed to stay somewhat above the fray, uh, but that's part of the role he's played and that gives him, him more power. Although I, you know, I, I'm not a entirely, I'm not entirely optimistic that, that the next, whoever's behind the curtain to replace him will be better. I mean, he, he, at least by engaging in debate, he does in debate, he does give other people, the other opposition, an opportunity to engage. And he does answer debate in a kind of a, more of an old school political way, uh, rather than just bowling over people, at least vis, vis, visibly, uh, is a lot worse that can be out there. And one thing that concerns me is uh, his letter to, to the, his members was said something like he's retiring while there's still time for him to, to take on a couple more adventures. And that could be, you know, maybe he's become going to become a golf pro or, or a, a mixed martial arts fighter or something like that. But it could also just be, he wants to be more dedicated to politics and progressive activism, uh, which could mean if, if he goes that direction, uh, then he's opening up his highly paid progressive activist executive director of the teachers union position while also adding his strength to whatever cause. And I mean, don't forget just a few weeks ago, I don't know if it was a joke or not, but he, he was floating the idea of running for Congress uh, to, to protect the Democrat party. So I don't think we've seen a last of him just because he's resigned, uh, retiring from the union. Folks, quick break, a lot more politics this week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing.com right here on the John DePietro Show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401 272 3340. They are located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender bender, 
even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best, and if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401-272-3340. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, I want to stay on uh, the primary for governor. What, what, what do you make of the fact that, by all accounts, the Democrat Party has basically become like the party of masks? But specifically in, you know, the first thing, uh, Ted Nisi did, a, I think, a piece, Channel 12, on the opponents of, of Governor McKee and where they stand on the ending of the, of the mask mandated schools. And by and large, you know, Matt Brown was like, oh, absolutely not. And, you know, uh, Helena folks, Nellie Gobea, not only do they say, oh, it's too soon and absolutely not. They also then start saying, you know, he's being intimidated by the anti-vaxxers or the anti-maskers. And it's the far right that is influencing. How do you think, how did the party in, 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 in basically, how did they become the party of masks? <laughs> well, I think first they, they became the party of just I don't know, heated rhetoric and and that, I mean that's painted our politics up and down the scale uh we're far from you know in the ideal and I I feel like I can remember this was once the case although the the past is misty these days uh but you you would have multiple candidates running they would all stake out a ground they'd all try to find some nuanced difference right they'd say well I think we need to get off masks but maybe not next month or one of them might have even said we should have done it sooner. You know, there was there would have been a variety of positions taken based on either not necessarily polling, but also the the candidates' actual beliefs, uh, and it would stake out ground. Now it's just everything is heated rhetoric. It's all, uh, you know, we've, we've got to stop these crazy fascist anti-maskers and. McKee's one of them. I mean, so it's, I think that's what really predates it, and so the, it becomes this big rush just to capture that that bait, that core bait uh, of, I guess, progressives in the Democrat Party, and it, it's it's just so reactive. I, I um, meaning not not like a, a generator, but reactive as in, here's something that happened. What's our position? Go. You know, we got to get the tweet out now. Uh, I, I think that's what it what it comes down to, and it makes them all to me. It makes them all look just replaceable, uh, which probably plays in Gorbea's favor because she wins kind of wins the identity politics uh, race, which if everybody's identical on policy, then something else has to make the difference. They're all, they're all vying for that same position to the left of McKee. Uh, and I, I don't think it necessarily does any, any good for them, but it is also an indication that he, of his weakness. If he were strong, they wouldn't necessarily be trying to paint him as bad. They'd be some, to some degree, they'd be trying to, you know, say, yes, I'd do that too. Uh, but it's just a, it's just a, not a, a mature or healthy political environment. It's not. And, you know, you raise an interesting point. Normally, you know, the challenge in running for office for someone is you have to show and demonstrate to the voters, you know, here's where I'm different than my opponent. But when it comes to masking, here you have the gubernatorial Democrat candidates. They all want to say, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, everyone's basically the same, which is just stays as extreme as possible it does make you wonder what would happen if in fact like if nelly gobea were governor right now um or matt brown it gives you an idea of where they would go as far as the masking because they almost um, intimate that they want to go farther and more extreme than governor mckee now justin katz they um the general assembly they voted to extend the governor's emergency powers uh they act like it's compromised 45 more days and that keeps the mask mandate in place. What, what do you make of the fact that they're still granting him these emergency powers? 
Well, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a shame because we, we got so far from the way things are supposed to work that it's almost a relief that at least they're weighing in and not just you know hiding under the under their desks <clears throat> and letting him do whatever he wants to do so they don't have to take any political heat. At least they're saying this has been going on long enough that the legislature can can take some action. But you know it's it's kind of Weasley. It's yeah, it'll end unless he feels like it shouldn't end. It's basically the way they, they framed it. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating. It's, I, you, you kind of want more, more battles, more claims of, of turf. You want the General Assembly coming in and saying, no, we will, we will say when there's emergency. But the, the, it's all about protecting themselves from any kind of accountability. So it's, it's, they're laying it off on the governor. I, and I think they, they really should just end it and basically what they should be concentrating on is reworking our emergency powers um, provisions in the law to, to make clear that it isn't for managing a crisis over two years. It's for an actual emergency. Uh, but that's, you know, the, the longer they can, they can keep this kind of fluffy and, and not actually look at our law, the more they can worry about distributing money and, and power, which is where they really want to be. No, Justin Katz, Channel 12, and I would give them the credit. They broke a story last week. Uh, didn't get as much play, I don't, I don't believe, as it should have. But uh, there was this business that Governor McKee is going to give the state workers uh, bonuses of $3,000. Initially, it started off, this broke in December. He was going to give it as an incentive for them to get vaccinated. Then he started saying, well, it really wasn't that. And this whole business of, well, you know, it's needed for retention to keep workers as if, you know, any time an application or I should say an opening opens for a state job, I mean, are we to believe that they're having problems filling them? That's absurd. It's, you know, you, you have to know someone that is ultimately, it's the ultimate, you know, I know a guy of trying to get a state job. But Channel 12 then revealed that I guess right now it's it's up to $18 million and half of that money is actually just going to come out of the the general fund out of the budget. Now it's all taxpayer money because it was supposed to be, he was saying he was doing it out of COVID money, which I don't think it should even be legal. But what do you make of the fact that not only now, apparently half of it is going to come. So 9 million he's just taking out of the budget and he's going to give it to state workers as a $3,000 bonus with half of it coming next July, right before the September Democrat gubernatorial primary but the element of that and also the fact that uh, his Democrat opponents, none of them are really taking him, as you would say, to the woodshed over it. <laughs> yeah, here's one where they can all get on the same page, right? Giving yeah. out money to state workers. Yeah, you know, I was looking at numbers at municipal level and the state level recently, and there's just so much money everywhere. It's 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 kind of discouraging and disgusting in a way. And so, you know, this is, in some ways, this is just the one of the ways in which the state workers unions get their little cut of all of that lot of money. I mean, the, the budget now has been what around, around $13 billion for several years at this point. And just about a decade ago, it was half that. The, so the, the money in state government is, is just outrageous. And it's so that me was how we've gotten to the point where 18 million almost feels like a strong little chip to throw to the a small little chip to the throw to the, the labor unions but i think you know that's all it is it's just it's just more how do we slush this money around and you know you could if we had a healthy vibrant news media there could be five of these stories every day i'm sure based on different special interest groups the um the thing that also stands out to me is like look at the the level um at least, you know, they acknowledge that it's it's if you award this to one, it then goes across the board and the other unions want it. But on top of that, look at where this is then spiraling. Talk about a dangerous precedent. This is basically they're getting a signing bonus um, that some of the money, 50, I think fifteen hundred or three thousand is going to hit in July right before the election. I, I think this is unprecedented, Justin, and I don't think enough is made of this that this is he is basically being allowed to use our taxpayer money to buy votes there's no other reason for it nothing else he started with that it was a vaccine incentive and then he he abandoned that 
Now he's just his, he's just giving it to them because he wants to give it to them. This isn't about worker retention. If you want to do worker retention, if you want to use bonuses, I think I, I would almost have less of a problem if he was using it for frontline workers, people that were right there during the pandemic. So many of the state workers, they were allowed to work from home. We haven't heard of this mass exodus. It's not like they're down, you know, 500 workers. If anything, it's the private sector that is having a tough time retaining, um, you know, workers. But I want people to understand. I mean, I've been covering this for a long time. I, I cannot recall when a person sitting in the office of governor just out of nowhere just said, and I'm going to give all these state workers $3,000 each. I, I think we're in new territory here. because And it's it's significant because the contract is up. This goes even beyond just kind of giving the unions what they want. This is then like the added signing bonus of the wink where not only are they getting a new contract, but let's, you know, I'm going to send you 1500 in July just so you really remember who sent it to you. Yeah, no, you, you raised some really great points. I, I, the there once was a time when you know the the pay of state workers was was watched, and and our elected officials actually tried to try to keep a, a limit on it. But I, we've gotten to the point where really you you look at something like private sector businesses are having a hard time finding finding workers and so what's yeah. the solution to give state state workers a bonus i mean it's it, we, it's we do live in and increasingly we live in a stratified almost like a there's a, a special class an aristocracy who if you work for the state government everything is is geared for you and i i think that's a lot of what we're seeing here and it's just so but the, the money has just gotten so huge um but i i agree with, it, it needs to be vetted more and there needs to be you know <laughs> There needs to be some explanation, right? There, you can't just, the way these stories go is it's a lot of money and this and that, and everybody kind of gasps and then goes on with what they were doing. But there needs to be that that real that real look into what is his justification here? Have state workers been leaving? I mean, once upon a time, it was regularly the, the local media would report on how many six-figure employees there were in state government, who they were, what their bonuses were over time. I've done some of that reporting myself. Uh, that seems to have been not in, in as much favor recently. And that, that's a big context too, is if, if we're finding that their pay is still going up by leaps and bounds, outstripping the private sector, that nobody's leaving their jobs, nobody's losing their jobs, except maybe uh, unvaccinated nursing staff. Uh, if that's the case, then it's, it's, it's entirely not justified. And that, that should be a, a pretty big story. I think also, I want to remind people that the Paw Sox, they left and it's basically the state would not put down, put up 22 million, you know, towards the new stadium. Now you have, I mean, talk about, this is just a different time with how flush the governor is. Now you're talking about just 18 million in, it wasn't even in the contract, just bonuses he started to throw out. Um, I think it also shows Justin Katz, you know, this is this is one of the problems of not having like a viable Republican candidate uh, where McKee is, you know, clearly trying to really distinguish himself in a gubernatorial primary. I also don't think it bodes well for the way he handles money. I mean, between the, you know, Dr. Scott the throwing, you know, 46,000 a month uh, during this COVID time, the amount of money that he can just you know throw around he has two billion to spend between the surplus and then also the um just the covid the cares money this is easy i don't believe governor mckee shows himself to be a very uh certainly not frugal but he, he doesn't seem to be that responsible with the to taxpayers money where he thinks nothing of throwing you know throws dr scott okay here's forty six thousand a month for three months we may have to call you on the phone and then throwing these bonuses folks we're going to take a uh, quick break a lot more politics this week with justin katz right here on the john DePietro show the problem with your heating system call re coogan heating today 401-732-6562 24 hour emergency service gas boiler oil burner coogan heating 401-732-6562 they're helpful trustworthy reliable explore their services look for them on facebook and the website 
is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, installation, RE Coogan Heating. Proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. It's Coogie. It's 24-hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago. Our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorising.com. Well, Justin, we've learned more about who this Republican is uh that you know i was hearing back in december oh no they have someone and it was a business person and it was a woman and you know i was being told oh no she's a real republican and everything else um to me this is you can you just sense the press is waiting to pounce on this woman um she has ashley Collis, i think but then she also has a married name we have now learned she's 39 years old she just bought a house last May uh, from Illinois. Her and her husband apparently have made a lot of money off of the state with this COVID testing. Uh, we haven't seen her. Very unusual. I can't recall when someone's filed for an office before they actually announce. Most of the time, they you make the announcement, and then you know you go through the whole process of filing because there's still certainly time for that. Um, she has totally remained under wraps. I think the whole thing is a little odd. Uh, the only thing she seems to have going for her is those in the Republican Party are insisting that this woman can fund herself. But you just get the sense. I mean, I, 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 these are my words. I mean, there's nothing about this candidacy that I like. I'm actually very disappointed that the members of the Republican Party that I spoke to back in December were almost talking her up like, oh, no, we have a real serious candidate, blah, blah, blah. I mean, to think that someone came here last May, 39 years old, even younger than Blake Filippi, um, hasn't even lived a full year in Rhode Island, and it's suddenly announced, I think I'll run the place. I, I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm trying to be kind here, but it, to me, it's like it's a non-starter. Um, I, I can't believe that this is position they have found themselves in. But this is, if people think it's bad now, wait till this person actually tries to have an announcement or any type of press conference. But I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, the, the striking thing to me is, you know, reading about her having filed, uh, I still can't put a face to the name, you know, no. it's, and that, which is which is especially bad because, as, as you've been saying, she she's new to the state. She's a fresh right. face, wants to run for, the, you know, the highest elected office in the state, right. executive office. And so it's just kind of it just plays into that whole impression that somebody's swooping in out of nowhere or, or maybe it almost feels like she just gave the state GOP permission to use her name so it can pretend it has an actual candidate. I mean, that's how how it feels. And there's there's really no reason for it. She could have been. I mean, she she was involved in politics in Illinois, I guess. And so it may have been something on her radar for a while. But all this time, she didn't have to be announced. She could be writing letters to the editors. She could be, you know, trying to going to events and, and being seen right. at, at protests or whatever, uh, yes. testifying on bills, just yes. to become a face. I mean, just so that it is just very strange. You know, it does have a bit of entitlement like, oh, OK, yeah, I'm a, I can finance myself. So I ought to be able to just come in here and take my time and, and not show my face until I'm ready. And and I, I think that's that's going to prove to be a mistake, because if if as people have been assuring you, she's she's a real you know solid yeah. Republican. As soon as she opens her mouth, the, the media is going to pounce and oh, she'll unbelievable. to fall back. All she's been no. so far is, is a name, which is which is really uh, it's very it is odd. And it, it's certainly not the way you ought to do it. She ought to be out there, not necessarily like uh, folks did on a Democrat ticket with, the you know, I'm planning to run for governor and he, I, you know, I'm a big you know, you should want me. But just being visible is almost like a minimum requirement I, I can't understand why she hasn't done that so far you know last spring nicole solace suddenly kind of 
you know, we learned about this mother who was being sued or they were going to maybe sue her with the uh, South Kingstown with the school department there. And then, you know, suddenly she kind of got on the radar and she got on social media. And as you say, there was a face and you get to know her. She kind of came out of nowhere. But then over time, you know, she built up a rapport. She was consistent, let alone they made the mistake of then trying to sue her. And, you know, suddenly in a, in a relatively short amount of time, Nicole Salas has, has certainly not only become a force, but she's become a voice, a strong voice. Um, and you have people saying, boy, there's someone who should should run for office and, and slowly worked her way kind of into the conversation where this person, I, I again, if someone said to me, you know, I just moved here from out of town. I really like it here. I want to live here. I'd like to get involved in politics. I think that's terrific. You know, start going to some events. As you say, this this person had a chance maybe testify against the school mask mandate or show up at the state house and you start to meet people and then maybe someone says hey that's someone who should run for office and but to come in i mean it's the, the, if this were that or someone else we'd certainly be you know rather curious about it and and somewhat uh not exactly all on board but and and folks is finding just how tough it is and she was actually living here running cbs but this is I, I just um, so far, there's nothing about this that I think bodes well. And in the, you know, the press briefing, all you have to do is say to someone like that, you know, what what was Rocky Point? Or I mean, <laughs> it, it's so easy to immediately establish who is Joe Malacone? I don't know. What was Rocky Point? I've never heard of it. I mean, it's just so easy. And that's going to be the first impression. Um, there's already the local media. I mean, this. Whoever this person is, um, to, to and we still don't know. You're right. We haven't even seen or anything. But to suddenly just announce, I think I'll just run for governor. I, I To me, it's a non-starter. Um, I went back to some of the people and said, you know, you're saying a real Republican. But what you didn't say was she's not a real Rhode Islander. <laughs> I mean, this is it, – it's one thing, like – and my reaction has been, listen, I can say they're desperate. We're not that desperate. I mean – I, I think it even it kind of reeks of it's it's condescending. It's it's kind of demeaning someone that says like these people are so clueless. I'm going to come in and I'm going to run the place. I also know the media is really looking into apparently her and her husband made millions off the state in COVID testing. And that already seems to be somewhat of a conflict. So we're going to have to wait on that. Now, the other big political news. And again, folks, it's politics this week with Justin Katz is Cranston Mayor, former Cranston Mayor Alan Funk made it official he has jumped into the race cd2 uh within ted neeson glad pointed out within 20 minutes seth magazina was attacking him and posted the photo there's a picture of uh when the mayor went to the inauguration in washington and it was cold out and someone gave him a trump winter hat and the Ramundo people tried to use that but i'm anxious to hear your thoughts on the entry into the race now cd2 congress of former Cranston mayor alan funk well, I'm 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 kind of intrigued by the the message he's he's starting to bring. I think he did he did real well with his rollout of of a low, yeah. Partly because it was it was just it was a little bit there was something just a little bit strange about it, and I yeah. think that got a lot of people on on social media, both sides, uh, for and against him, kind of sharing it. And so now his his logo has been everywhere with Fung Congress. You know, yeah. that if you're on social media, you've you've probably seen it. But it's, what's what struck struck me as really interesting is uh, the background for it is a wave so ocean state but it's it's from the most probably the most identifiable bit of asian art right in, in existence and so it's yep. clearly that you know that playing up that asian thing of course it's japanese art and he's chinese but playing up that asian thing in rhode island uh, which is you know understandable and interesting but at the same time his wife is in a general assembly pushing legislation to to require the American history. She's Irish. Um, I don't think there's any requirement for Irish American history in schools. Uh, but uh, so there, there's something they've got some kind of a plan with that play. And I that that struck me as as, as interesting. I, I'm not sure how that how that comes together. Uh, it, it could be it could be good. It could be bad. I mean, at the same time, they're doing that. We're we're hearing coverage out of you know communist China and the the Olympics. So right. there, it's it's just a, it just strikes me as a hmm, I can't. It's almost like you're watching a a, a movie and yeah, I wonder how they're going to resolve this interesting 
question. But I think the rollout was good. Uh, it did get him a lot of attention. I think Seth Magaziner, it was almost like a, a, a premature launch almost. Because now, I mean, I, I, I haven't, if they're still using that same photo, I don't think they've yeah. got photos of him, you know, uh, in a in a hot tub with, with Donald Trump or anything like that. So, sure. you know, if, if they're already out with that, that gives him of time and he doesn't have to worry about their primary issues so and right. he has plenty of time between now and november to to develop a response to that particular attack uh he's he's not going to him on in, in some debate and then be hit with it because it's already out there so i thought that was that was telling that that, that magaziner came out with that so early it's almost like he feels he needs to establish himself with a fundraising a fundraising boost and, and that sort of thing in this race. But it did feel very, you know, he, like he's trying too hard with his own primary. I, I, I want to come back to, I, I, excellent point. And I know talk about, you wrote about, it's almost as if he's in a kayak and he went right into the middle of the white water because I mean, the big news, the Olympics are bombing. Part of it is um, as far as TV ratings and people aren't watching part of it is, you know, let's face it between, uh, you know, the virus and then just how people view China. Uh, China is far more in the news and the way people talk about it uh, now than it was, you know, say five years ago, certainly before President Trump uh, took office. But the wave a lot of people would associate with, you know, Rhode Island. And then you could also someone said to me it should have been a red wave. But um, and then there's someone who's an anti fun person that actually called and said, you know, you know, he's using Japanese artwork and he's Chinese as if it's as if what that's, they're going to hold it against them or that it's still Asian artwork. I think you're right, Justin. There's something to he's not letting he's making it very clear that he is, you know, Asian American in a sense. And this is an interesting dynamic to me, Justin, of of the the white privileged entitled Seth Magaziner. Is it is attacking the minority Republican candidate? It's normally you would think the the other way around, but I think it kind of puts the the Democrat in in an odd position that he's attacking a minority who happens to be the right now one of the Republican candidates. Yeah, he does, and and this is something we're seeing more and more across the country as as yes. Republicans actually uh, we're even seeing it with the Supreme Court de- debate. I mean, I think it was. George Bush probably would have appointed a black woman to the Supreme Court if not for yes. Joe Biden. Uh, yes. So uh, there's a lot more of that in, in South and Virginia. We're seeing it. Um, so I think that's definitely what he's a big part of what what Fung is thinking is he'll get to the general and he'll have established in people's minds uh, associating him with being a minority, which you know is is a, a reasonable play. And uh, the but there is that wild card, which is why I think he, he kind of just jumped right into, he's just jumping right in. Right. I mean, yeah. you don't know what's, and it's not even, it's not even a bigotry thing. There's just, there's China is a, an international foe. Uh, and that could just, that association could be a challenge. So um, it's, it's, it's going to definitely be interesting to watch, but I, the, the connection to his, his wife with the legislation on the, the mandate of her nation, American history in school, that seemed a little bit, a little bit too much to me, but but we'll see. Maybe it was just coincidental. I um I want to say I I love the logo they came out with because it, in my world that's all you need: the last name, the office, Fung Congress, not Alan Fung. No, I see these people. They try to put a slogan on the sign. It's just Fung Congress. Now, Justin, what do you think this does to the race, and how much do you think? You know, on the Democrat side, they're saying he's going to have to deal with the January 6th thing. He's going to have to deal with the Trump thing and they're going to hang in a he's at a real disadvantage. I, I would argue it's the I, I don't believe that's what is in voters minds. I think, but the you know, the Biden presidency of his approval rating in Rhode Island is 35 percent. It's under 40 percent around the country. Inflation is high. Uh, I, I think it's just the opposite. I think the Democrat candidates, they are overplaying how unpopular Biden is. I don't think voters want to hear and we're going to go to Washington and I'm going to vote along with Cicilline and support the Biden initiative. I think a lot of the Democrat candidates are in for a wake up uh, call for just how frustrated people are with the way things are going in Washington. 
Yeah, well, there's a real, there's, I think they're in a big, a big bubble, <laughs> largely driven by Twitter, but, yeah. uh, and social media, but the, yeah, there's, there's a wide area for Fung to, to kind of stay in a gray where he's, he's not going to be, you know, just another Republican voting along lockstep, but I, I, I don't think people are, I don't think people are as concerned with January 6th outside of, you know, progressive uh, echo chambers as, as the media and those progressives think. Uh, and, and certainly they don't, uh, many people don't have any problem with Donald Trump. And, and as time goes on, that'll be even less and less of an issue, you know, over the, over the course of this year as Biden messes things up, especially. So I, I don't think that's, that's a, a problem for Fung. I think he'll, he'll weather that storm. And I agree on the logo. I mean, I, it's, it's one of my favorite pieces of art that he chose. Yes. And, uh, yeah. so, and it just looks cool. <laughs> you, know, you could, you could see it on a, on, a hat on a on a sign yes. on a, it's something different something uh and i think a lot of people commented uh, even a lot of the progressives and democrats on saying i should have been a it shouldn't have been a blue wave democrats are blue and i think you know you you're going to see that sign out there on people's lawn and a lot of people are just going to vote you know, think oh okay it's, it's ambiguous as to party yeah uh, and so which which probably he's he's might be trying to do a little bit of a rope a dope, which Seth Magaziner just jumped into with by going after him, because the Democrats are going to think, oh, we have to make sure people know he's a, an evil Republican. Right. Uh, so it makes it starts to make things real interesting. You know, he's he's it's an ambiguously you know ambiguous sign that's not no party. You know, Democrats jump in. Republican, evil Republican. So you've got the white privilege mm -hmm. Magaziner going after the minority candidate. I mean, it just it makes for an interesting dynamic. Uh, and I, I think so. I think the, the rollout was was uh, was real good. And I think, but in, within the the race, uh, his primary race, I think the other candidates have got to get moving. Yeah. Right now, uh, Cruz is down and the, uh, the trying to the raise raising money is going to be tough. Yep. And and I think it also. Um, let's face it, you know, you're going to have a lot of people voting now. The Democrat primary will be both for CD2 and then uh, the governor's race. So a lot of independents are going to be there. And when you have, you know, races and, and there's only so much media time, I think a lot of candidates are going to be frustrated that they're not getting the type of attention they want for their campaign. Folks, he is the managing editor of FrankRising.com. It is Justin Katz. Justin, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. I enjoyed our conversation. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal, 401 688-0517 whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings call brother's disposal today come on brother call brother's disposal 401-688-0517 look for them on facebook brother's disposal get a dumpster in your driveway 401-688-0517 into brood awakenings and discover the brood difference two locations in johnston also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, their local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, deli delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the brood difference at Brood Awakenings.